0: This is Bad Movies We Love, part of the Scheist Podcast Network. Hello once again, everybody. I am your host, Nick Scheist, and this is Bad Movies We Love, We're going to call it Season 2 because we got new intro, new music, new everything. And I love this music. Crank it back up. Makes me want a boogie, you know? It's got that nice energy to it. But anyway, I digress. This used to be part of the Scheist podcast. But it was really its own idea, so I took it out of that show, made it its own show, and I'm going to go and I'm going to grab all of the episodes that I did as part of the other show. We're going to put those in here as part of this. But this is the official Season 2, Episode 1 of Bad Movies We Love. I was joined by a new friend of mine who's part of the Scheist International Film Club, which, by the way now has members in six different countries and time zones all across the U.S., so we're getting there. But anyway, let me find my way back to the point, and that was me introducing uh, Seth Vargas, who just got his own show started, and I'll let him tell you about that a little bit later. But he brought to the table a movie that I had never seen, and I had never even heard of. And that is Troll 2 from 1990, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. I'm like, okay, she's going to be pissed because she's going to have a stump hand. And it's like she whips it out. No, brand new hand. And then just
1: pulls out an ear of corn. you are not really vegetarian if you eat people. What is this movie that we're making? Green shit coming out of her face. Because even if I tell you what it is. Chloroform soup. It doesn't sound like anything. <laughs> Today,
0: we're here to talk about the movie Troll 2 from 1990. And this is it directed by Claudio Fragasso?
1: Yes. Not his real name. Okay hundred (laughs) percent his name is claudio but yeah um so i've never heard of him but well actually i'm sorry i think that that the the name listed on letterbox is his real name but in the credits it's under a different name
0: okay in the actual movie yeah okay um but i see he has a movie this year called karate man which after watching troll 2 and reading the description for karate man I'm going to have to
1: watch Karate Man. Yeah, he, he's he got a lot. Um, him and his wife uh, wrote the movie uh, Troll 2. They've got a lot of different stuff together. I haven't checked out any of it.
0: Um, but yeah. Okay, well, before we get into uh, some the trailer and some of this other stuff, why don't you tell me why this was the movie that... Came to mind. I gave you a couple of options of give me three choices or something that would fit this category. And obviously, there's a lot of movies that fit this category to varying degrees. And I would say, for the most part, most of the ones that I've chosen haven't been maybe this low budget, or the ones that have been chosen have not been quite that far down the scale. So why Troll Two? Um, uh,
1: it's a movie that. Just when you think that you're getting your bearings, it knocks you over time and time again. Just when you think you have a grasp at what's happening, um, it's an amazing movie, um, uh, <laughs> it's hilarious intentionally and unintentionally. Um, after having seen thousands of movies, um, I really appreciate when a movie can surprise me, and Troll 2 is incredibly surprising, um, and for for that, I love it. Um, I also really enjoyed the documentary that goes along with it. We actually did troll two parties yearly where we would show new people who had never seen it. And then people who had seen it, you know, we would watch it again annually. Um, and yeah, it it was one of the first truly D I wouldn't even say it's a B movie, um, D movies that I watched that really, um, I was able to get on the wavelength of appreciating it instead of just saying this sucks and turning it off.
0: Okay. I think that's actually a apropos because yeah, for a long time, like I was in that zone myself of like, if this is like garbage within the first 10 minutes, like am I going to spend the next hour and 20 minutes continuing to just subject myself to it? Or am I going to walk away from it? And you know, the way this movie looks, the way some of the dialogue is, like the fact that I don't recognize anybody in the cast, <laughs> a lot of those <laughs> things add up to where I would typically have walked away from this. But I think at the very outset of it, it reminded me a lot of like never ending story and princess bride in the beginning. And I was like, okay, I think I know what they're doing here. <laughs> I think I know what the director had in mind. Yes. with Making this. So yep. I was like, I'm going to be a little bit more open and receptive to what it was. And I mean, the movie is crazy. I actually had fun and I was uh, wrapping Christmas gifts as I was watching <laughs> it. Um, and it really is all those things you said. It's surprising. It's definitely below B movie territory in terms of, you know, how they use uh, costumes and where they spent their money and location filming and things like that. Um, But a -a one-of-a-kind sort of experience in storytelling, I would say. Yeah. Because, like I said, there is definitely elements of more familiar films that had come before it And I mean, like, even there's a little bit of, like, tremors in this movie. And so, like, it's definitely aware of the other kinds of films that it is. I mean, it is a parody film to a degree. It is very well honed in on that, though, I would say. Like, for a Mm -hmm. movie that is kind of pretending to be a low-budget 80s horror movie, it is exceptional at that. And Mm -hmm. like the music is very good as well. Like, oh, yeah, it incorporates a lot of elements that you had seen in a lot of other films uh, that had come before it and just does it with a little bit more fun and doesn't take itself (laughs) too seriously. But it also pretends to take itself seriously, if that makes sense, which I think makes it work in its humor
1: yes so they're they're definitely taking it very seriously um some of the some of the scenes in the documentary that they shoot you know 20 plus years later the director doesn't understand the fan reaction to the movie so many years later all he hears he's him and his wife are in italy all he hears is oh your movie troll 2 is doing great in the theaters and it's selling out and it's people are getting tattoos and they're, you know, buying all this merchandise and da 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 and so he comes to the states and he's like I don't get it because they're laughing at the lines that aren't supposed to be funny but they're also laughing at the lines that are I don't I don't really understand and so it slowly kind of dawns on him that they're not taking it as seriously as the as he had intended um but yeah I mean the music awesome yeah it's spot awesome. on
0: yeah uh so let's uh let me grab the trailer here before we get to the trailer i want to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor Nilgob organic farms this small town farm goes back generations getting its humble beginnings as acres of government subsidized cornfields today Nilgob organic focuses on its burgeoning dairy business all of the dairy livestock in Nilgab is completely free range and eats only the very finest organic greens grown straight from the fertile soil of the town's tourists. That's why their cheeses and milk taste like the full circle of life. Delicious and nutritious, once you get a taste of Nilgob dairy, you'll never want to leave. And you won't be able to. So remember, you can't spell quality without Nilgab. Is that okay?
2: Um, I can't hear it, but I've seen it
0: enough. <laughs> gotcha, okay. I don't know, maybe it's not sharing the audio. You're late.
1: I'm sorry we had a small mishap. Here are the
2: keys.
1: Um, here are our eyes. Have a nice stay at milpon You and our city.
2: Still telling the same story, Josh? <laughs> Powers of evil are very strong here. I must leave. Govils don't exist. Govils don't exist. And remember...
0: Kids with a sweet tooth like yours love ice cream.
2: Delicious and purify. <laughs>
0: we'll get to that corn seduction later. <clears throat> Question you don't want to ask your grandpa. <laughs> Are you really in hell? Perfect. So, I mean, I hadn't watched the trailer until up until um right. Well, not right now, but uh, in preparation for this. Like coming away from that trailer, like what do you even expect out of that movie?
1: Honestly, it, 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 not what you're getting for sure. It it doesn't show you some of the stranger things like you were talking about the corn seduction scene. You know, what you don't see about what you don't see from the trailer. <laughs> the, they inexplicably start popping popcorn while making out um even just that character when she's approaching him how it first she first appears on the tv and he's like whoa what is this and she's like i'm not on the tv look outside and then she's standing there um you know very beautiful <laughs> in a dress and then just pulls out an ear of corn she's like oh <laughs> and you're like <laughs> so it's like everything just keeps escalating beyond uh what you what you think is going to happen It gives you something weird. And then many times it goes beyond that into something weirder.
0: Yeah. In that scene in particular, um, she whips out the corn and I'm like, okay, like what they just needed something phallic to be like seductive enough. And they kind of start like sharing this corn (laughs) on the cob at the same time. And it was after the guy said something about him liking popcorn and they start yeah. kind of making out with the corn on the cob in between their mouths. Yep. For the people who haven't seen this, I'm trying to describe it. And as they're passionately slurping away on this cob, popcorn starts flying into the room out of nowhere. from un-
1: From underneath him, from behind them, from all over until they're like, you know, covered in and sitting in just to see a sea of popcorn. The corn thing ties into the whole vegetable that they only, yes. the trolls only eat vegetables. And the writer of the movie said, she said, at the time, I had a lot of friends who were vegetarians and that really annoyed me. So I wanted to make a movie where vegetarians were evil. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Cause I was like, it seems very much ahead of its time for sort
0: of the, uh stereotypical vegan that we yeah. see a lot of now, where you know they're going to chastise you about your way of life, and we want you to eat vegan and et cetera. Uh-huh. So, I should say that this character that we were talking about is uh, a troll witch. Is that accurate?
1: I don't. It, it could be. At one point, she's shown to just be one of the trolls that comes through the mirror. <laughs> yeah, she she dresses like Elvira.
0: She has magic, I think, because the corn is just popping out of nowhere. So I'm going to assume that there's at least some amount of
1: magic involved. Yeah. and Well, she has the power of Stonehenge behind her. That is true. And later on, when she gets her hand cut off, we (laughs) found out that it's also like a healing power. Is it just one rock from Stonehenge, or is it It, it, all of Stonehenge? (laughs) (laughs) You kind of see what appears to be like maybe two, but a light coming. So I don't know if the trolls have somehow transported from Stonehenge into, you know, whatever state that they're in. Maybe that's how they got there. It, she doesn't, it, it's not super clear if she's one of them, if she's the head of them, you know, if she's in charge of the whole thing. Um, But like many things with Troll 2, There's way more questions than answers. (laughs) Yeah, she appears
0: to be in some sort of leadership role because she stays in her human form a lot more frequently than the rest of them. And even at the end, when they're all sort of together, Mm -hmm. she is still, I mean, she's got the green shit coming out of her face, which. And it's just that like plant matter or chloroform green, chloroform, chloroform that's, green. Right. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, in that opening scene where you first see, I forget what the uh, the fictional character who's running through the woods. I don't remember what his name Peter. is. Peter. Yes. He stops and does a combat role as he's running through the woods <laughs> and knocks himself unconscious as he makes contact with the ground. So yeah. it's it's very intentional. It's not like all the other horror movies where someone's running through the woods. They trip over something that they don't see. And then the villain catches up to them. This, he makes a very intentful decision to stop, drop and combat roll his way down the hill. And I guess he hasn't practiced it very often because he knocks himself <laughs> out and then wakes up with a uh, goblin princess or something mm-hmm. ready to heal him with this chloroform soup. Mm hmm
1: which looks like super thick pudding like none of the food none of the food in this movie is (laughs) like it seems instead of oh my god any normal movie production would say okay go buy us some rolls go buy us some i don't know soda some whatever It looks like all of this was handmade with like Play-Doh everything. It's it's disgusting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it gave the people in the props department uh, a lot of creative control. Yeah. And it came to the food. But all right. So the basic premise for this movie, regardless of where it starts, I don't want to ruin things too much for people that haven't seen it. And I don't even know if we could spoil it if we tried
1: the movie i've seen this movie 15 times it's it's almost inexplicable you you really have to experience it because even if i tell you what it is it doesn't sound like anything (laughs) if you say like it's a story about a kid and his family and you're not ruining anything i say go ahead go for whatever
0: okay so we're introduced to this kid who's very similar to i think princess bride and um never Ending story is being read a fictional story and so our story also begins like in this fictional world and then it's pulled back and we see that the actual main character of this story is going to be this kid and he's hanging out with his grandpa and then his parents show up to see what's going on and the chair is rocking but grandpa's not there so grandpa's <laughs> a ghost I don't even know where he got this story from, but he's clearly very aware of what's going to happen. Then the family decides to go on vacation and sort of like a weird house swap deal. Sure. Didn't, doesn't seem like something normal for 1990. They're like, (laughs) we're just switching places with another family. We're going to go live in this town called Nilgob and we're just going to do like farmer stuff. And That sounds like a good idea. And the dad never really explains why this would be a good idea for this family. It's not like the family is ever displayed to be like, oh, we're so into our cell phones, for example,
1: or we're so into video games that we need to get out into nature. It's just the dad's idea. (laughs) He's very he's like really into like Chairman Mao and like the Cultural Revolution. He's like, these kids need to go and live like farmers. (laughs) We're going to go back to the way things were. It's going to be great. So they get, yeah, so they get to this town
0: and on the way, well, before they get to the town on the way there, the kids having like a spaz attack and he's having like, uh, I guess like a a waking dream or a waking nightmare in the backseat of the minivan, thinking that all the stuff that he heard from the story is real. And I mean, of course, they're going to get to this town. It's going to be a lot more real than everybody else around him is willing to believe for a significant portion of the film. And when they get there, there's goblins, but there's no trolls.
1: Correct. There are so, no trolls in this movie.
0: So did I read correctly that the original title of the movie was supposed to be
1: Goblin or Goblins? Um, that I don't know. Okay. That I don't know. Okay. Because. But there is also no troll one. There is also this no is, troll one. This is not a sequel to any existing story. They thought naming it Troll 2 would give it more like gravity.
0: The poster for the film says <laughs> one was not enough.
1: Right. And it, it wasn't anything. <laughs> it sure wasn't. <laughs> yeah. so,
0: so you have a, a sequel to a movie that never existed. Correct. And, and whenever
1: I talk to people about this movie, they'll always say, oh, yeah, I've seen Troll. And I'm like, no, you, you haven't. You, <laughs> you've seen other movies called Troll, but has nothing to do with with that this happened one. to me i was like
0: oh yeah i was like troll and it was like no i've seen troll hunter there yep. is a new uh norwegian there is a kaiju new... film called troll yep. that's on netflix yep. that i haven't seen yet but i want to because i love i've heard good things kaiju. about that i love kaiju and of course yeah. i mean it looks interesting so yeah that aside troll two never had a troll one or no. a plain <laughs> troll there's no trolls in it right but there are lots of goblins. There are goblins. Yep. So the goblins are the villains of this story. And it seems like they want to turn people into
1: plants because they yep. eat plants. Yes. So there, so what they say, <clears throat> grandpa Seth, which I did not pick this movie because there is a grandpa Seth. I, just want to I throw thought that out I there. thought about that for a second. <laughs> I was like, Seth is one of the main characters. <laughs> So Grandpa Seth is communicating with Michael from the beyond, right? Because oh. no one else knows what's going on, but Grandpa Seth does. And Michael is the only one who can see Grandpa Seth. Why I don't really know. Grandpa Seth is able to he can he has effects on material things. Um but anyway, so he's, you know, he's warning them about it and what he tells Michael is the goblin's favorite food is a mixture between people and plants. Okay. And so, one of the things um, when when they first arrive to the house, the little boy throws him the baseball that has like finger paint written on it that says "Eat before we eat you," and so they want them to eat this chloroform chloroform plant juice stuff. Because that starts the process of transforming you into half plant, half man. Okay. And that, that,
0: <laughs> that does happen. We see it happen in full to a couple of characters. It, yeah. it still doesn't make sense. Like if they're vegetarian, why do you want like this to be a half human meal? Right. They're not really vegetarian if you eat people. No. Right. Okay um just to clear that up yeah uh i just read this little trivia but that says the whole cast uh went to a casting call hoping to be extras and ended up as the leads (laughs) so (laughs) since so since you've seen the documentary and since you were saying what you were saying about the director not understanding the uh reception for the film can you shed any light on like what the tone of this movie? was intended to be. Is this supposed to be a horror film that scares you? Is it supposed to be a parody of a lot of similar horror films that had come out like between 1980 and 1990 and like t- taking advantage of that style of filmmaking and kind of making fun of it? Um was it intended to be more of like fantasy like Princess Bride and never ending story which does have some moments that are scary in those films but because of the budget restrictions like it's never
1: going to be the scariest thing right so they <laughs> there's a great clip with the director saying you know this movie is about life it's about death it's about family it's about the forces of evil that are trying to take apart the family he is fully believing that he's making like and you have to think so you know Italian, Italian horror giallo he mm. thinks that he's making like Suspiria or something <laughs> That's my question is like, is he really
0: like thinking that he's making something like that or is he using that to kind of like poke fun at? No. Okay. No,
1: this is 100% sincere trying to make a good movie (laughs) and fully believing that you are making something good and scary. Okay.
0: And just for context, like this is a guy from Rome Mm -hmm. and Like you said, he's Italian, so you've got Dario Argento and a lot of the giallo stuff. Like in his childhood, he's born in 1951, so around the time the 70s are popularizing that style of filmmaking. You know, he's in his 20s; is he's in his formative years. And then by the time he's making Troll in 1990, he's about 40 years old. And like, does he consider was he considering this to be like like his masterpiece film or? I guess I don't know
1: enough about him to see right. where and, and in he his had, history
0: this falls.
1: Yeah, and they had made movies prior to this. So it wasn't like, oh, this is my first okay. movie. I don't really know what I'm doing. He had directed multiple movies. One where, where a lot of the miscommunication comes from is that he did not really speak English.
2: Mm. And
1: so he has an Italian crew that he brings with him Flies them over to the states, and now they're working with this rural crew, these actors who are not actors. Um, oh, we just we got the lead, so we said, yep <laughs> <laughs> We'll take um it. like a few of the people had done, you know, um like regional theater acting, things like that. Um, but if you look at, all, at a lot of the 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 cast and their credits. They hadn't done anything before. And so he's trying to communicate to them, uh, you know, in very broken English. Um, He's a very, like, kind of angry, excitable kind of a guy. (laughs) And they really describe, like, being on set trying to figure out, kind of like what you're asking. Like, what is this movie that we're making? Because, you know, like, if you've ever been a part of filming anything, you set up for an hour to shoot 30 seconds. (laughs) And then everyone kind of goes their way. So you're not always shooting in sequence. And so they were just as confused making it um, as we are watching it today.
0: I bet because like some of the cast, like the kid, like if you were to put him and say like poltergeist or something, I'm like, okay, that fits. Like he's sure. acting as if he's that character, the dad, like a little pitchy here and there. And the mom is kind of a side character, but the sister fits in very well with, like the kind of like teen stuff that was going on in the 80s as well you know she's working out she's got the boyfriend drama on the side like all that stuff like (laughs)
1: that fits wait 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 wait, wait, wait. i'm not disagreeing with you but have you ever have you ever seen a storyline quite like her demanding that he stop hanging out with his friends The he he's like okay i'll go on vacation with you guys Oh, I'll I'll tell my dad tomorrow that you're coming with us. Okay. And then him and his friends are all in a camper. It's bonkers. It's insane. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And
0: there's also the whole thing going on between them of like, she wants to have sex and she's like, I'm not going to like bang you while your friends are all hanging out here. And he's like, yeah. come on, why? Right. And so it, it's, she, it's she, puts her foot, she puts her foot down. So he's like, okay, I'm going to invite myself on this family vacation which you know she does she doesn't even bring up he's like oh yeah you're doing that i'll do that then he doesn't show up and apparently it's because they rented an rv (laughs) so that all of the boys could go and meet them in this town and like just take out their uh burgeoning sexual angst on all of the unsuspecting townswomen. yeah and i guess that was part of the the larger plan for the boys but the idea that like this guy wouldn't just be like all right guys get out of here like this is my girl. Like, we're right? Gonna
1: have sex. Like, go away. You, you can see, you can see all of the moving pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And say, okay, okay, family's going on vacation. Boyfriend and his friends are they're alone. How do we get them there? And they all make sense. But when you when you hear the dialogue and the motivations <laughs> behind all of the pieces moving you're like no no you could almost you could almost dub this movie and probably have it make sense but it sounds the, like a fun project <laughs> <laughs> but the but the dialogue and you know all of the characters motivations um it, it, you know even in the opening shot when <clears throat> not the opening shot in the opening when the mom, you know, says, you have to banish grandpa Seth from your thoughts Mm -hmm. forever. (laughs) And then goes downstairs and says to her husband, Michael, who are the goblins? No one (laughs) talks like that. You would say, yeah, I went up there and he was talking to, you know, my dad, my dead dad again. And, you know, maybe we should see a therapist and And he was talking about goblins. Have you ever heard anything about it? Like, you can write the dialogue in a way that makes sense, but the way that it is, it's just, there's there's no piecing it together.
0: Yeah, she goes to her husband as if he had some, like, secret arrangement with right. her
1: father right. about this <laughs> goblin <the> community. <laughs> and, and for the only time in the movie, someone says something that makes sense. He turns to her and says, the goblins? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well,
0: in talking about uh for as a filmmaker, the reason that I was asking about like his awareness of what he was making is because like it seems like it's both things. Like it seems mm-hmm. like he's making fun of the genre and also wanting it to like be as much within the genre as possible. And mm-hmm. so in reading the description for Karate Man, I'm curious if his experience with this film changed his approach to filmmaking because i'm going to read you the description for this sure it says a martial arts champion with the first degree diabetes mellitus (laughs) was passionate to fighting the losing of the title during the karate world championships made him collapse to the ground at the end of the match to diabetic coma nice so like that to me sounds like a comedy but it's listed as action drama sport. And you're telling me a guy who's like suffering with like severe diabetes is competing as a high level athlete. And then it wasn't he collapsed because of diabetes (laughs) during the match, which forced him to lose. He was so in shambles after losing the match that he then collapsed in a diabetic coma. So. I don't know if the movie is about him coming out of the coma, I don't know if the movie is like leading up to that championship match where he collapses and if the movie's really about like him being a an athlete who deals with this on a regular basis. It's it's very vague, but right. it sounds like it's going to be hilarious and of right. course nobody I've ever seen is in this film. So I I
1: need to find a way to see this. I don't <laughs> I don't know where it's available, but a, a it came lot out this of his year. A lot of his other movies are available on Tubi. Okay, but a lot of his older stuff—I've never checked any of them out. Um, but yeah, if if you're interested in going down his rabbit hole, you can check out some of that stuff. Yeah, and
0: he's got one from 2021 that's, uh, I guess, an anthology of short horror films called Italian Horror Stories, which oh. may be able to like shed some light on that. But at yeah. least from everything that I've kind of like seen at a glance he's got nothing that's cracking like a seven out of 10 on any of these. He's really like sub fives in all these categories. So I'm a little bit curious to see something else and maybe something after troll by a couple of years. And, um, I mean, Palermo, Milan, one way I think has like a six and a half. So, Oh,
2: it's pretty good.
0: Yeah. That's pretty solid. (laughs) Um, but since you were talking about the dialogue and bringing up the dad, like, I don't know why me sharing uh, the screen doesn't work, but I'm going to share it for the purposes of the podcast. But my favorite line in the movie is after the kid whips out his junk and pisses <laughs> all over the, the goblin food. So let me set the stage. They I must are, do it. Yes, I must. <laughs> they arrive at their country home and uh, there is a feast prepared for them because as we mentioned earlier the goblins are trying to get them to eat this food so they turn into plants etc and uh grandpa seth appears in the window as a ghost to the boy and is trying to warn him like can't let your family eat this food meanwhile the director has just called pause he's like time out everybody hold your positions while we continue filming Yep. Didn't freeze frame it, didn't even try to make it look like it was really frozen, <laughs> which I actually appreciate. Like we're just yep. gonna use the actors like standing still and we're not gonna like cheat our way through just hitting pause in yep. the editing room. Um, but the kid, I guess, his only recourse for getting them to not eat is to stand up on the kitchen table <laughs> while time is frozen, whip out his Johnson, and pee all over the food. And I don't know if it's because I was watching the free version with commercials that like, it maybe wasn't as graphic as it could have been, but they just cut to them like throwing the food yes. in the garbage. So you don't actually see his little child. No, no, ass, no, no, no. You don't no. see him pissing yeah. on anything. No. They throw the food in the garbage and the dad, I guess, grabs the kid to like put him on timeout and drags him up the stairs and he like gets upstairs and there's handwritten signs on each of the doors for all the members of the family. It's like, here's Mr. and Mrs. So and so. Here's the kid. Here's the sister. And he's like, You see that? That's hospitality. And he throws the kid down in the bed and he says, You can't piss on hospitality, or you don't piss on hospitality. Something like that. Yeah. And uh then it looks like he's about to take off his belt to beat the kid. And the kid's yeah. like, Oh my god, <sighs> what are you doing? And he says, I'm tightening my belt so that I don't feel the hunger pangs. And your mom and your sister are gonna have to do the same thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like I can't even believe how serious the actor yeah. was in this like he sold that scene so good, yeah that it really hey, hey. made it hit in a way that uh I did not expect whatsoever.
1: yeah, and and then he goes on to say, you know, when I grew up, I actually was hungry. and so I have a lot more if you're gonna do a hunger strike, I have, just remember, I've got a lot more experience than you do. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm a parent, I have two kids. Never have I ever thought. (laughs) (laughs) It says a lot about like where the the writers
0: came from, though. Where Mm -hmm. they're like, "Look, you really think you're gonna like take away our food and go on a hunger strike? Like you don't have the experience to outlast us, kid. You think you're so
1: smart?" I I do. I have a question for you because, and I know you know, in asking these questions, like I said, there there's no answers, but the parameters of Grandpa Seth's powers. Are such that he can stop time in the room. He can freeze all of them. We later see that he can have effects, but he says to Michael, "He's like, you have to stop them. You have to stop them." Michael's like, "How do I stop it?" He's like, "I don't know, but you gotta come up with something." Why doesn't Grandpa Seth just do it himself?
0: Yeah, I was curious, and <laughs> I was curious in that scene in particular. Like, did he actually stop time? Or was he just like in the kid's head, and the kid is perceiving it as time has stopped? Because that maybe makes more sense. Maybe, um, and we've seen that like he can make like a a chair physically rock by like yep. having his ghost presence in it. But we also see him uh, command a lightning bolt like Thor yes. oh later my in the film.
1: That whole sequence, we'll get to that. But yeah,
0: yeah, we'll get to that. Beautiful. Uh, I mean, we might as well just get to it right now. We're talking about <laughs> Grandpa Seth and the the limitations of his powers. But in the trailer, you hear the kid say to Grandpa Seth, uh, "Are you in hell?" Because yeah. the kid doesn't know. I guess Grandpa yeah. Seth doesn't know either. The, the
1: preacher, the preacher, the preacher troll, you know, recognizes in whatever spirit realm these these goblins come from. Uh, you know, he banishes him back to the kingdom of shadows, uh, so that he can stop interfering with what the goblins are doing. And he says, I banish you back to hell. And the first time I saw that, I the first time we watched this, I watched it with probably like six people. It literally just came up and we're like, This sounds crazy. Let's watch it. Um, all of us like screamed at that point because we were like, wait. Grumpus has been in hell. (laughs) Oh my god! And so then, luckily, the filmmakers put in. You know, Michael says, "Grumpus, Seth, are you really in hell?" And he's like, "No, but I know someone who was, and he and I can call on him to help me." And he snaps his fingers, and a lightning bolt strikes the the goblin and sets him on fire.
0: It's insane the goblin is also holding a Molotov cocktail in like a tanqueray yes. bottle. So yes, that's where that's where the fuel comes from. I mean, the lightning bolt <laughs> probably would have set him on fire anyway, but I guess the lightning bolt strikes his Molotov and uh, engulfs the entire guy. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I guess the parents kind of get the first taste of, oh, our kid wasn't bullshitting about these goblins. Yeah. Right. And at that point, it's like there's maybe 20 or 30 goblins around. They have their own little like goblin community and they're hanging yep. out in a barn and they're trying to get the kid to eat ice cream made from like <laughs> goblin milk. And I don't know why the goblin milk, I mean, that's white. Everything else they're trying to feed him has this yep. like green cream on it. Yep. Including the daughter, again, was going to eat, I think, a corn cob with like yep. green, green butter frosting. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So they definitely, uh, they went down to the market and they grabbed some corn because corn's fairly cheap and they're like all right we need food in this movie um grab some clay and some play doh and then we'll get corn because corn's only going to cost us a few cents here and there.
1: Yep. Absolutely. At, at one point crazy. at one point one of the one of the boyfriend's friends um he's the one who goes running for milk. It's yes, okay. <clears throat> later on at one point in production he lost or they lost the shirt that he was supposed to be wearing. And so they told him, <laughs> Oh, just go buy another yellow shirt. It's fine. And he was like, but I have to go buy it like with my money. And they're like, yeah, just go buy another yellow shirt. And so at one point, like halfway through the movie, his shirt changes, it's still a yellow shirt, but there's no like logo on it or anything. So they were doing everything very, very low budget, um, having people you know wear their own clothes and buy stuff and
0: yeah oh yeah I, I see that right here in the little trivia notes that's that's so crazy i mean to think that like we're not even going to pay you for the shirt and we're not <laughs> going to have any other solution like okay maybe like you're sh- like you just took your shirt off because it was hot or something right like, right it would make more sense like he just shows up sweating and he's like oh right. like, I, yeah, I took my shirt just, off because he hot. just ran
1: from the forest. Yeah.
0: That is, uh, that's intense. And one of the other friends, um, the guy who turns into a tree. Yes. So he is, he's fed some of the, the soup concoction or whatever from the witch. And in this particular scene, they said his shoes were screwed into the base <laughs> of the tree pot. Cause as, as I was watching him as a tree and he's telling his friend, like, rescue me, bro. You just got to yeah. drag me out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually did a fairly good job with the effects to make him look like a tree, especially like around his legs. Yes. But the scene where he's trying to just like drag his friend in the pot, it's like, okay, he's a adult human. He's probably at least like 150 pounds. Like it's not easy to drag him in a ceramic pot. And they said that he had to stand inside the pot for 14 hours as they did the makeup. Yeah. That's intense. Total, none of this would be illegal now. No. <laughs> not at all <laughs> no you got to figure out a way to do this faster like you're not drilling my shoes right into into the pot here yeah uh and you were you were right i see that uh uh a certain excerpt from the trivia says that the actors wanted to ad-lib their dialogue to like help with the translation and the director is just like, no, you got to read this exactly as it appears on the page. So that's why some of this stuff is just insane.
1: Yeah. And it, it, you can see how it comes through the filter of a different language. And so that's yes. why that's why, like, if you or I were like, let's make a movie and we're going to make a crazy, weird, quirky movie, we would never be able to reach this level because we'd be <laughs> writing in our own language. Um but because it comes through the filter of their understanding of uh, English, you know, the director also says he wanted to make like a real American movie and he wanted to do it with like, I mean, he this is what he says. Who knows if, what is reality? Um, but he wanted to like immerse himself in the American culture. And so this is what he thinks. I mean, pretty much everything with the sister is laughably bad. Um, and it's, it's, this is a really good example of why good dialogue makes good actors look good. Because, like you were saying, yes. you can kind of see, I can totally see the sister and the boyfriend in another horror movie yeah. and doing a good job. Maybe like Friday the 13th. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, four, like that. or <laughs> Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street, sure. five. Sure. They're not knocking anything out of the park, but you can't, you know. I work with food and what you say, what we say is like, you can't make good food with bad ingredients. It's very difficult (laughs) for anyone to pull off these lines. You know, the dance that she's doing later in the movie where it looks like she's dancing with like a Fushigi ball. She's like putting her eyes over her, her face like glasses. And just the time that that dance happens, it's like, we just
0: watched two, uh, I guess one of them wasn't her friends. One of them was some like, woman who had escaped troll town and ran yeah. into one of the boyfriend's friends. Yeah. And then they both die or get turned into plants or whatever. And then the movie just kind of stops and she's in the hallway in the mirror, just like boogieing. Yeah. And I think that's before she sees grandpa steps for the first time, yes. but it's just a very out of place moment. Uh, it's like a hard cut to a completely different tone yeah. of film suddenly. And yeah in her character introduction, it's like, okay, like uh, aerobics videos were very popular. Like, I think sure. they, got the, they got the look of the sister very, sure. right. yes. but then when we're introduced <laughs> to her, she's doing bench press. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that women cannot do bench press, but if you're trying to make uh, a character that comes from the eighties and looks like they come from the eighties, like this lady is not going to have uh, a bench press set up in her bedroom. Sure, sure. She's gonna be doing uh jazzercise or something like that. Sure. Uh, So I'd like the fundamental understanding of the American teenage girl is not there, right? And of the American teenage boy, he's like, I'm not interested in sex. I want to hang out with the boys, right? It's like, yeah, Yeah. we all have friends, and we all want to hang out with our friends, and maybe that like puts some strain on relationships. But from a young teenage boy who's horny, like he's not gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna bail on you. And then I'm going to rent a Winnebago with my friends and we're going to come see you then. And then that's going to really put me in good graces with you. Like, it's just it's so off key in all of the sort of like foundational character writing. Yes. (laughs) But that's what makes this movie the kind of unique (laughs) gem that it is. And I saw here, too, that the actors were only given their script on a scene by scene basis. So it's like they have no idea what's coming next either. And it kind of comes across that way. Like, here, we're going to film this scene. Here's your lines. Um, Okay, well, what does this mean for, like, the story? Like, doesn't matter. Just do what's written on the page. Do what I tell you. So it's a very kind of, like, authoritarian way to make a film and not understand that your cast is, like, trying to work with you here. Mm-hmm. and it's all people that didn't show up to like play those roles anyway so why right. did you hire them i don't know that'd be a good question to see uh what the director has to say about like their casting choices yeah and it says he refused any kind of assistance from his english-speaking crew or cast so
1: <laughs> like what you well, said he, go ahead. He's, com- he's he's coming in from having made movies yeah in he made he, movies, you know like, in, in his in mind Yeah. In his mind and in reality, look, I know how to make movies. Okay. So, you know, if you went, if you were a filmmaker and you went to another country and one, you're trying to present yourself as capable, you don't want to show up. You're the director. You have to be capable. You have to be in charge. You don't want to say, Oh, what do you guys think I should do? You know? I mean, in his mind, I'm speaking in his mind, if it were me, yeah, I would want all the collaboration in the world. And so that's probably part of it is he's trying to present himself as I know what I'm doing. Number two, he's come to America, the land of Hollywood. And so he's trying his best. And like I think that there's a real fine line with movies like this where the the person behind it is really trying. And so it's not a farce it's it's not making you know it's not a straight up comedy and i think that there's a fine line between really being cruel in laughing at this guy <laughs> and just viewing the movie as it is and enjoying it as as an experience you know and like i'm not trying to like put him down like i said i haven't seen any of his other movies if he did them with all italian casts and all italian crews and they could communicate with each other Maybe those movies are great. I don't know.
0: I'm going to have to find out because what was it? Karate Man or whatever the title <laughs> of that movie was. Sounds like it's going to be hilarious, even though it's not intended to. I was just curious because you had mentioned that like he's trying to like be uh, mindful of like coming to America and making an American film. Like if that's what he wanted to do, why hire all of the people that showed up to be extras? Why <laughs> not try to listen to anybody that's working on the film with you that actually speaks english and is from america so it has like a crazy unique identity to
1: it in that way like you were saying the music is good and i would i would even say some of the effects are good specifically when michael is having the dream or vision in the car and yeah. he has the plants growing out of his fingers and the 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 green at this point is very thin it looks like blood that's mm-hmm. that image just on its own that is pretty creepy um obviously the goblin suits are just burlap sacks with yeah. like sticks for spears some of those effects are you know some of the makeup isn't that great arnold in the potted plant it's really not a bad effect it's not. um yeah so this is different. I've seen movies that I hated, that made me angry, that were just bad on every level. This really isn't. It's just like everything is a little. it's like a dream. Like when you have a dream and you you can't explain it to someone, but things are just off a little bit enough to be disturbing or upsetting. You know, sometimes a nightmare isn't like, oh, a guy with a knife was running at me. It's just like someone was talking a little weird. And it was off. Like, have you ever seen Eraserhead? Um, I don't think so. So David Lynch's Eraserhead, um, which he made over a number of years, um, I think it was four or five years or something. It's it's maybe the best um, in real life representation of a dream that I've ever seen. Okay, um, I'll check. And it. a, it's so creepy because he's able to mimic some of those things in your nightmares that are just, it's not out and out horror, but it's, it's just scary. It's very off-putting. And that's kind of what troll Two is like, but in a funny way.
0: Yeah. And trying to capture like something ethereal like that is always a little difficult uh, to begin with. And obviously the language barrier and the refusal to address it, I think it's almost like you're watching a movie in another language that isn't in another language. It makes you question whether or not you actually like understand English. Yes. Yes. So in that way, it's like, yeah, there, (laughs) there is something like haunting about it. And you're, you're right that the kid in the backseat that just kind of that fear of like turning into a plant, and seeing that kind of happen with some of those effects. And like I said earlier, the kid's actually really good and he would have fit yeah. in another horror movie as the lead and he does a good job. Um, and the the kid in the potted plant also like 14 hours worth of prosthetics to make his legs <laughs> look like they're integrated into this yeah. plant. Um, and I think my favorite use of the practical effects in the film in general was, uh, was it the grandpa who had the axe and yes. cuts? Cuts the witch's (laughs) hand off. And so, like, okay, the, the prosthetic hand and stuff isn't the greatest effects, but there's a scene then where the goblin runs back into the mirror. So yeah. they film the mirror breaking outwardly and then shoot it in reverse and then yeah. edit it to show the goblin popping out back like in the witch's layer, and like that sequence is like hey, that's actually very creative <sharp inhale> like you knew your budget restrictions were going to like stop you here you needed to show someone going back into the mirror realm so I really just thought that was well done. And then you get the whole like witch freaking out about her hand. But I don't know why when she can just stick it into the Stonehenge Mm -hmm. hole and grow a brand new hand. She was very dramatic about losing something
1: (laughs) that came back to her immediately.
2: Right. I'm sure it's hurt
1: though. I thought the same thing this time around as I was watching. I was like, just run right to the Stonehenge hole. Just put it in the Stonehenge hole. Yeah,
0: when I I first saw her stick her her stump into that hole, I was like, "Oh, she's cauterizing the wound, right?" Yeah, and there's smoke coming out, and it looks like burning (laughs) flesh. She's screaming. I'm like, "Okay, she's gonna be pissed because she's gonna have a stump hand." And it's like she
1: whips it out. No, brand new hand. Yep, I'm so glad that you were able to experience reasonable lines of thought that were replaced with the reality of what the story (laughs) is. And like that's like what you were saying about the language difference like a lot of times you're unsure right you're unsure whenever i see this movie i find myself just saying like what like what like i'm not saying no lame boring i'm questioning like it's i'm i'm brought into this state where you know i i don't know what's going to happen next um and i think that's like i said that's the real charm of troll 2 if you if you think you've seen everything watch this movie <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: absolutely and like in the back of my mind uh, you know i'm working on a side project right now that's christmas b movies and oh, like cool. i really wish that troll was a christmas movie so that way yeah. i would just have an excuse to be like oh it's christmas season we're gonna watch troll 2 yeah. and in the process of like the b movies like i'm saving my best one for last but we did like Ernest uh, saves christmas yep and like that is by no means like a good movie but it does what it does. Well, and sure. you get a lot of uh the best like earnest character moments. And I always grew up with like Ernest Scared Stupid, which also kind of similar to Troll too yeah. in that way as well. Um, and Ernest goes to jail. So I grew up with those kinds of films, and I had never seen Ernest Saves Christmas, and then in watching it, it's like this is completely ridiculous, yeah. but it is well intended, and it maybe even has more heart than some of the other films. So in watching Troll, it's like, okay, this movie doesn't necessarily have the biggest heart in that way right but it's not trying to if it's trying to be a true like genuine horror movie coming out of like the kind of stuff that we saw from the previous uh decade yeah. so it's not trying to be this like warm uh rewarding family horror no. film where it, it brings them together and they fight off uh the trolls kind of as a family, like that's not really what it is. Like the family doesn't even really get in on it until the last, like what, fifteen minutes? They finally yeah. are like, "Oh yeah, like that really is a troll." Yeah. Or oh, a wow. goblin. I'm
1: sorry, a, right, goblin. a goblin. Yeah. And I think I think in terms of that, the last, last, last scene and shot shows you that yes, they were trying to scare people. They were trying to things do not work out. <laughs> they don't at all the mom gets you know the last shot is the goblins eating out of the carcass of the decap- the decapitated mom in front of michael and say do you want some or whatever um i can't remember uh, what they say
0: yeah they said something basically along yeah. those lines um but yeah he walks in downstairs after running into the bathroom looking for his mom yeah um he comes back inside Uh, was it a baseball bounces down the stairs or something that he picks up and it says yummy mommy something yeah and so he's like oh no it's written in green frosting I know something's up he he (laughs) runs into every house (laughs) in the room and goes mom 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 he even goes into the bathroom where she said she was going to be showering so he was just like prepared to run in on her showering regardless he opens the shower door there's like green gunk all over the place so she's clearly in the transformation process right and he ends up downstairs in the kitchen and yes it's just her torso no arms no legs no head breasts fully out but no appendages so these trolls have been eaten for a while and they're just like slurping up the green goo and look to him like hey you want some of this and he screams Mm -hmm. and the movie ends and it struck me as very interesting that like right around i want to say probably 2000 i don't -hmm. know if it was like specifically that but there was a lot of films in like the 99 to probably 2005 range where they were a bunch of horror films where the final girl or whoever the hero is going to be in that case like escapes Mm -hmm. and then it's like no the killer's in the back of the car gotcha and so it's like this kind of like inescapability of the horror film that I don't know if it was just tonally like, you know, we're coming out of like the war uh, in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, like post 9-11. So there is kind of this like looming dread that's like kind of inescapable. We got We got heavily involved over there. So you see in a lot of American filmmaking, there is this like, hey, escapism. We get to the point where we enjoy the kind of horror beats that we know, where it's like, Set up with friendly people, they end up in a bad situation. Shit gets really bad, but then the person that you care about the most makes it out. And then that kind of got turned upside down, where it's like, yeah, the person that you cared about the most like escapes only temporarily, and then it's just like, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. So there was like this inescapability of those elements, and it was just really interesting to see this in a movie that took place, you know, ten years earlier. Right. And I'm not horror is not my my most Uh, well refined genre so it's like I don't know well enough like when that trend started but when I noticed it in horror filmmaking was around the you know the turn of the decade around 2000 yeah one of the things that I like to do for this particular segment is read the negative reviews Okay, because because that gives us a really good understanding of what you, other people are. Do you have five hours? Do we have five hours? No, but I'm gonna, I'm, so I'm not going to read the longest ones, but I'm going to try and find the ones that uh, seem to hit the best little notes. And this unfortunately doesn't have uh, the Metacritic breakdown where it's like this guy guy gave it a two this guy gave it a 10 this guy gave it a 60 so i have to dig a little bit deeper but one of the ones that i came across i'll just grab the pull quote it says do i give it a one because it was so bad or a 10 because it was so good Mm. another reason to dislike vegetarianism (laughs) (laughs) one that i came across uh tabitha fox from 2005 I don't know if she's she's an IMDB user. If you end up hearing this for some reason, we're gonna we're gonna read your review here. It's this forced to watch. My sister made me watch this. She insisted it was a contagion, a disease she was compelled to spread. After seeing it, I truly understand, relate, and recommend. It's awful, but a transcendent awfulness. You want to pass it around like milk that might be spoiled, but everyone needs to test it anyway. I've yep. never laughed so much. at something that isn't even trying to be remotely comedic. It's a travesty. I'm not surprised there are drinking games built around it, but you'll be more than amused watching it sober. Yes, it's that bad, but fun. You want to see it over and over again and force people to watch it too. <laughs> Rent it on a particularly bad day. You'll forget everything irritating in your life and be weirdly involved in a world of badly clad midgets suddenly wondering if bologna sandwiches or urine could possibly be the solution. <laughs> if, if you vote, give it a one it truly deserves the recognition of being one of the worst movies ever and i feel that it's very appropriate like you kind of oh like yeah all, absolutely all of the things that make the movie special and then right under that there is a 10 out of 10 review that was a one out of 10 so this 10 out of 10 review says you'll never see anything as entertaining and this is from last year uh john <laughs> Flatorp. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I probably butchered it. But Troll 2 is a movie so bad. It got famous for being it, and I will always love it. Troll 2 is not the sequel to Troll from 1986. The original name for the movie was Goblin. It isn't any trolls in the whole movie, only goblins. That makes the movie even better because of how stupid it is. Grandpa (laughs) Seth is one favorite character ever in movie history. He's like a superhero, but his superpower is that he can't die, and he just comes in as a ghost. So if you want to see the best movie of all time, watch this. But overall, it was a masterpiece. That's some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find something in the middle that isn't too long. All right, this, that's a four. There's a lot of ones, a lot of tens, not a lot of anything in between. Let's go with that four and see what it has in store. It says, yes. Oh, sure, it's bad. But worst ever? Nah. So it says, yes, the acting is bad. But the costumes are cheap and the music is laughable. But worst movie of all time? Definitely not. I don't have the energy to dissect the film scene by scene, nor would anyone want that. But I actually did enjoy certain aspects of the film. What I enjoyed was its campy, improvised feel and how it always manages to avoid cliche. And that even in the most unconventional ways. The film has the creator's stamp all over it. And when he encounters a snag or a hiccup in the plot, be damned to those who disagree with how one should deal with it. He plows through it and comes up with his own completely unique solution, no matter how illogical it may be. This is film. This is make-believe. I don't Mm -hmm. care if it makes sense. It is actually refreshing to see a little bit of weird now and then. That's not to say that I wholly enjoyed the film. I found it to drag on and several Mm -hmm. times let myself be distracted by other things while the film played. It is no great film, even in its badness. It is bad for sure, but there were more than a few entertaining moments. For instance, Troll 2 has nothing to do with trolls. It's a movie about goblins. But hey, whatever, just a technicality. Uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody else listed it as infectious disease as well. And it's like a lighthearted version of The Ring where you see it. Right, and right, it, right, right. You don't die. Right. Uh, you just you have to pass it on to the next person and
1: keep sharing it around. Yeah, I think a part of you dies. Maybe a little bit. I think that if you're like, you know, uh, full of yourself, you think that you know what's good. I think this will be a pain for you. But if you are Mm -hmm. able to catch the vibe, I think the part of you that dies is the part of you that knew what was possible in filmmaking. (laughs) 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 Like watching this, like like bad movies really are one of my favorite things um i'm not you know crazy into them it's not like all that i watch i don't scour to be for the next troll too but i genuinely enjoy these movies um because of the experience that it gives you yeah and
0: i think it is enjoyable and like i said there's like a lot of sort of elements of other horror movies that i do like and other mm-hmm. movies that I do like. So, if you like Neverending Story, like you see some of those elements. Sure. If, you, if you like Tremors, you get kind of like that small town, low budget feel to it. Um, you get some of the kind of cheesy, um, like creature and makeup effects that you would get from like Princess Bride. So, there's a lot of other movies that are significantly better, but that share a lot of the same kind of base DNA. Mm -hmm. I would say and I think that's enough to get me over the hump and I mean I've softened my position a lot too over the years where I can watch something bad and still enjoy it plenty and I would much rather watch something bad made for 50 bucks than something bad made for you know 150
1: million I, I mean absolutely and um you know when you and I were talking Prior to recording this, you had mentioned that you were going to see Avatar too, Mm -hmm. And I said to you, jokingly, of course, all the respect to James Cameron, to the hundreds, I don't know, thousands of artists (laughs) behind that movie. Hundreds of thousands. (laughs) (laughs) Not to diminish any of their work. I appreciate it. I appreciate their place in movie history. But pound for pound, what is more entertaining to me, it's going to be Troll 2. I know that that's weird. I know that that's not everyone. And I don't expect to put two normal people down on a couch and say, watch this movie. Okay, now watch this one. Which one did you like more? But it is more of an affront to us as the audience when you're presented with gold and it turns out to be garbage. Where when you see something you know, for free on Tubi (laughs) or your friend brings you a copy and you watch it and it's not, hey, you know, this is the best movie. It's 13 years in the making. It's $200 million, 500 million. Oh, it's so great. It's so funny. Oh, critics agree. And you just watch it for what it is. And it elevates itself above being a bad movie. I, I would so much rather watch that.
0: Yeah, there is something to be said for one man's trash is another man's treasure. And really? you know, this movie that troll two was made for what like fifty thousand dollars, maybe <laughs> no, like,
1: I guess right. If you told so me cheap. that this movie was made for free, I would say, okay. If yeah. you told me 10 grand, I would say, where did that 10 grand go? <laughs> you show me where that 10 grand went. Corn. Maybe all of the late the latex masks.
0: Maybe they look like they got secondhand from another horror movie,
1: (laughs) like it it didn't go into the food, it didn't go into the costumes, it didn't go in, you know. uh, So, I'll believe anything if you tell me, I'll believe it. Um, yeah, and
0: I just want to clarify that we were not saying that Avatar is uh trash disguised as gold, that is a conversation for a different time, sure. And we're not here to talk about Avatar, but. One man's trash is another man's treasure. And when you dig through the garbage and you find something that you enjoy, that's great. Yeah. It's like going to a yard sale and getting something that you wouldn't have been able to get or wouldn't have even thought to look for. Right. But because it's $2 here and you're like, hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. Let me grab that. Sure. And I think there is something more enriching about finding something like this. And I'll give you an example, like one of my favorite movies from childhood that nobody ever talks about. I've never spoken to anybody about this movie outside of my family, but it's Drop Dead Fred.
1: Oh, Drop Dead Fred. Amazing.
0: Love Drop Dead Fred. It's an awesome movie, and it's a rare instance of a it's a it's a kid's movie that is rated R. (laughs) Because it is, it's about this young girl who has an imaginary friend and her imaginary friend happens to be like a raunchy maniac. And Mm -hmm. it is still almost a PG 13 movie. I think even maybe by today's standards, you could probably say that it's a PG 13 movie, but I'm pretty sure it's an R comedy. Um, And this is something I was like, I was introduced to young and none of the characters are really kids, but like I saw it as a kid and it's all about like, is she crazy? And if she's not, like, what is the value of her relationship to this entity? Right. Right. So that is a movie that, like, just I've never heard anyone say it's good. It's just it's something that I've seen and has been in my life for a long time. And I have it on physical media, which says a lot. Right. Um, And it was a movie I considered bringing to Film Club. But I was like, I don't know if we're going to drop it. (laughs) I should have. In (laughs) hindsight, I totally
1: should have brought it. See, that's why, you know, and, and I don't want to, I I don't want to try to say that I was trying to like mess with you, but it it's genuinely a joy. If nothing comes out of this, it is a joy knowing that I got another person to watch Troll 2.
0: Yeah, like I said, I wish it was Christmas themed <laughs> in the slightest, just so I would have an excuse, because if I put this on, I was like, I told my girlfriend to watch this. She would not be happy with that. Sure. Um, like, even if I was like, here, eat some edibles and then let's watch this. And yeah, hopefully, like, that's enough. She'll just be like, you're nah, in for I'm a gonna, bad time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to play on my phone and ignore this. And that's OK. Yeah. Um, I want to read at least two more of these reviews because I see another 10 out of 10 one, which makes me happy. It says, this film is right up there with Citizen Kane and The Godfather. Watch Mm -hmm. it. You'll never be the same again. The acting, the writing, the cinematography and locations. You will never see a film like this again. It changes you and it gets in your head. The question is, are you ready for it? And I mean, it's obviously not Citizen Kane and The Godfather, but I appreciate that someone has the kind of love for it that this person does. And let me see, this is a... This is a kind of lengthy review, but it's a one star. It says, so this is crap in motion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it said it's one of the worst rated films ever on IMDb. And it said it got that rating for a damn good reason. Uh, the movie follows a family, yada, yada. If that concept isn't weird enough, don't worry. The movie will c- quickly outshine that wet spot. The town is infested with goblins, not trolls eh, that's that's a weak review. He just wants to shit on the movie for no reason. <laughs> so we'll end on that 10 out of 10 Godfather Citizen Kane comparison, because that's a lot uh, more my speed. And oddly enough, you know, this is, this is a concept for this show that I started more to do stuff that I was familiar with, like, say, Spawn or Demolition Man or stuff sure. like Drop Dead Fred. And One of the film when I opened it up to kind of a wider audience, like outside of my direct circle, and I was like, well, if anybody has an idea for this, and you like legitimately have a film that's bad that you love, I want to hear why. And that's, that's what the show was built for. So uh, a guy I know from kind of my football circles was he gave me a couple of movies, and one of them was Spawn. And I was like, well, I've seen Spawn. I like Spawn a lot. I've watched it many times. John Leguizamo is fantastic in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Way ahead of its time, too, for superhero movies. But I understand why it is not well-reviewed. I understand why people call it bad. But he also brought me uh, Freddy Got Fingered which is one of the most universally loathed movies and is one of the worst scored movies. And that's a movie where Tom Green was coming off the success of his show, had a big budget to make that movie and still kind of was met uh, with resistance. And in watching the movie in the first like five minutes of the movie, I'm like, Oh my God, this is like nails on a chalkboard. And then the more I watched it, the more I appreciated it. And As I got to talk to Corey, who was my guest at the time, like seeing or getting to hear, I should say, why he loved the movie and what about it actually was endearing, actually changed my mind. And I was like, I can I can see that, like, you wouldn't watch this and be like, yeah, this is an awards worthy film. Right. But his personal experience of being connected to it made it much more tangible for me And then I got to step back and see it from like, hey, this is Tom Green, who was a a guy who probably never thought he was going to have the opportunity to make a movie ever. And then they gave him $20 million or whatever to make this movie. And he's like, fuck it. He's like, I'm going to make the craziest shit that I could think of because I may only get one shot at this. Right. And so like to see that even though it's crazy and it's weird and it's bad in all those ways, like it keeps its weird form of artistic integrity intact. And it's like people would be critical of him using that artistic integrity, quote unquote, to uh, swing a baby around by its umbilical cord, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) those artistic integrity and those and that idea do not really like meld for most people. But the fact that he was like, no, this has to be in here. And then the actress in the scene with me and my own character will be taking this seriously ish. Rather than like, oh, this is this like punchline kind of moment, it gave me a different appreciation for the film. And I don't know if Freddie Got Fingered is the kind of thing that I'm going to go back and watch, uh, over and over again. But some of the lines and some of the scenes started to like seep into my subconscious, and sure. I have annoyed my girlfriend with them ever since <laughs> watching that. So Corey, I don't know if you ever get to listen to this, but uh, thank you for your time on that. And my girlfriend is not happy that. I quote lines from that movie, but I'm glad that I do. Sure. And so I want to extend that courtesy to you and say thank you so much for not just taking the time to do this show and join the film club and get involved in our discussions, but to bring uh, a movie that was probably so far off of my radar, I never <laughs> would have watched it otherwise.
1: And say thank you for that. Hey, you're welcome. I'm I'm glad I was very nervous, you know, as we've been talking yeah, over the last couple of weeks or months. Um, you're a cool guy. I like everything that you do with the film club. And um, I was like, well, I'm, I'm really risking it all <laughs> for Troll <laughs> 2 right now. I'm about to completely ruin like my entire, all of my credibility and goodwill that I've built up with this guy. <laughs> Put it all <laughs> on the line for Troll movie. 2. But you know what? For Troll 2, I will I will put it on the line. And I have, like, like I said, over the years, we would do a party every year where we would show this movie and just be like, you have to see this. It's more important for me that you see Troll 2 than that you like me as a person. <laughs> <laughs> he went to bat for Troll
0: 2, he said. Oh, yeah, you man, know, absolutely. My, my integrity is on the line. Absolutely. Um, but now that you said that, like, I actually would love to go see this in an environment where there are a lot of fans for it. Yeah. And I don't check know, out like... the
1: documentary. Okay. I will. You'll, you'll be flying high after that documentary, just, okay. you know, the, the love for it. Um, And then what uh, you don't need to say, but I, I don't know what part of the country you're in, but I'm in California. If you, if you ever, you know, now that this movie is on your radar, if you ever get a chance to go and see it, in a theater if someone's doing like a midnight showing um you know this is on the same level of like rocky horror or yeah. the room or different things um uh there was one time where it was showing down in the city and i didn't go to it and i regret it so much but but yeah, yeah. I, could, I could totally
0: see this like it's because it kind of stays warm uh into october here yeah so I, could, I could totally see this at like an outdoor Movie event with like food trucks and people in costume, and I sure. think that would be freaking amazing. Sure. So everybody,
1: if, call your local theater and demand Troll Two. Definitely, they'll be it's happy the to get the want. orders in for those prints.
0: <laughs> Even if you got to buy a Blu-ray and play it on projector, I'm sure people will be happy. um I also wanted to say before I forgot, I was like, it reminded me a little bit of Three Ninjas, and I don't know right. why. Three. I Ninjas. think it was just just because yeah. it was like so cheaply made, and that the acting isn't like particularly good and it's like there's a kid in the lead. I don't know. It's like, yeah. I was getting three ninjas vibes. For it is
1: very much, um, there was a very brief time period from 1988, maybe 87 to into the early nineties where this type of cinematography, this look, where it's like is this made for tv? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is this not where you could actually see a lot of movies that kind of look like that? Three Ninjas kind of has a little bit of that vibe. Um I don't I don't know how old you are, but like when I watch this, it instantly transports me back to my very early childhood and like just the look and the feel um uh again, some of the costumes are a little wonky, but um it's very much a product of its time for
0: sure. Yeah. I was six when this movie came out. So it was capitalizing on, I think a little bit of the, the rise of maybe kids having larger roles in horror movies. I mean, isn't poltergeist Mm. in like the mid mid eighties as well. Sure. Yeah. So again, thank you. It'll take me some time to get into editing this, but I'll have it done maybe. And I'll release it as like a, Christmas special episode, and then it'll be like, <laughs> this is gonna be this is you gonna be to my reason this. to watch it every year for Christmas because it is it's so much fun, it's so weird, it's so uniquely itself, and the characters like you can tell that they didn't show up to be leads. Oh, like yeah. we want to be townspeople, we're not here to yeah. be the leads. And then I was reading in the trivia that uh the dad was cast just based on him delivering the line of you don't piss on hospitality and they're like this is our guy right and then when you see that scene in the movie you're like it totally makes sense because yeah. that's
1: my favorite scene in the movie yeah oh I, 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 pretty much everything with him is is just he's so and again like you can see him he's got the square jaw he's got the blonde hair he's very physically fit you know he's got a great scowl <laughs> you can see him in another movie making sense like it makes sense you know um, yeah
0: he could have played like uh like someone in the military uh like a sure. like a henchman that gets killed Absol- in die hard I mean, or
1: something like that he looks like um um he looks like macgyver he does he you know, know what, what i mean what like, like if, he, if he was playing macgyver's older brother i would totally believe it So yeah, it's (laughs) a comedy of errors for sure, but I'm so glad that it exists. It really, um, whenever people ask, you know, people ask stupid questions on Twitter, like name five movies to describe yourself. This is always in there. Like, this is not a movie that's like, I peripherally like, um, like when you had asked for like three different movies and Mm -hmm. I sent you that whole list of like 30 bad movies that I Mm -hmm. love. Out of 3,361 movies that I have logged on Letterboxd,
0: um, I only
1: have 63 five star movies. Mm. So I don't know what percentage that is, but it's a very small percentage. Troll 2 is one of them. It's like a little over what, 1%? <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's, it's, it's one of those movies unironically. Like, I'm not saying it's one of the greatest movies I've ever made. But genuinely, one of my favorite movies. It's a, it's magic. It's, and like I said, I'm glad that I was able to share it with you because now, when you want to recommend a crazy, insane movie, I guarantee you that you are going to recommend this movie to other people. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. Uh, and that brings me to a kind of like the the closeout segment of the show where I always want to know. I asked kind of this question when we do film club discussions, but for people who have seen Troll 2, what is something else that they would like? Or if people have not seen Troll 2, what is a good comp that may get them to make that jump to Troll 2?
1: Sure. So I would say if you haven't seen Troll 2, um, if you like anything along the lines of, Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, Miami Connection, etc. Or even if you like, um, Phenomena, the um, movie, the The Argento
2: movie,
1: no, 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 the Dario Argento, (laughs) Dario Argento movie where the girl can communicate with bugs. Okay, much, much, much more respected movie. But if you see those two movies side by side. You can kind of see what he was perhaps going for hmm. um uh, you know, same time period, you know di- Italian directors, et cetera um so if if you've seen any of those movies and you like them, definitely check out troll two um and if you have seen troll Two and you like it, I would really recommend um a movie called New York ninja, um which was a movie that was made. Back in the 80s uh, and then was lost and was finished just recently, just last year, actually. Um, It's maybe the second best bad movie I've ever seen. And again, just had me going like, what is happening like over and over? I mean, there's a ton like everyone talks about the room. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that this I think Troll 2 blows the room out of the water. There's part there's whole segments of the room that are confounding sure, but are kind of boring. Um, (laughs) where troll two is never boring. It's not like at no point are you like, yeah, this is a soggy middle. Uh," Um, some things are less insane than others, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so I, I would say definitely check out, um, New York Ninja. If you haven't seen, um, the peanut butter solution, I would definitely recommend also seeing the peanut butter solution. Um, that that would probably be a good trinity of of bad movies right there okay i also
0: as i watched this i was like kind of gave me a little bit of like killer clowns from outer space sure. vibes to it uh maybe it was just like the the cheapness of the prosthetics the they use and yeah. the costumes but uh that's another bad movie that i grew up
1: with that i always have loved and yeah, it's an amazing movie it really is. I, I put off watching it because I was like, I know that this is going to be garbage, and it can't. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a bad movie that knows they they set out to make a B movie, you correct? Know, 1950s alien invasion flying saucer. We're going to make this B movie, um, so but hilarious. it works really well. Like it, it, does, it really yeah. works really well. Um, it's, it's, it's
0: haunting. It's creepy as fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that it ever got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm scared. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> But I don't I, I this might be a stupid opinion, but I don't think a horror movie has to be scary to be good.
0: Um, I have come to accept that more. Yeah. And it's uh, it's definitely a sticking point for people who are horror aficionados. Yeah. Um, But again, I don't feel the need to like
1: police that, I guess.
0: Sure. And well, I, get, what, I get
1: go ahead. Uh, what is a horror movie? People say that um night of the hunter is a horror movie why because it's scary why is it scary because it's about a guy hunting down kids to take their money there's no horror really in it people die but people die in the movie philadelphia is philadelphia a horror movie because it's a man dying of a disease you know what i mean and i know obviously we can look at um you know, there will be blood and then we can look at Friday the 13th and say, okay, there is a clear distinction here.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: I, I'm just, I'm not super into labels. um, And that's why I think if a movie falls into the horror genre, but it's not particularly scary or the scares aren't as effective, I don't really count that as a knock against it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's fair. And I think also what that does is it makes the genre more, um, Receptible to a wider group of people, yeah, yeah, and I think that's a good thing ultimately because I don't want to be like a pedantic gatekeeper of horror films and be like, oh, well, it's not actually scary, therefore it's not horror, or I laugh during it, so therefore it's not horror. Like Slither is a great like horror comedy, sure, absolutely. It's like, oh, well, that's not true horror, and I'm like, well, I don't need to be the one to make that distinction. Like it has great horror elements that I enjoy. And I also laugh during it. And those two things can coexist for me and maybe they can't coexist for everybody. And that's okay if that's your thing and you just don't have to watch those movies, but to, to constantly deride films that uh, well, films and filmmakers that want to participate in the elements of the genre that are enjoyable without necessarily having to make it scary. Right. I think is something that is good for the genre in general, because then it will push the people who do want to make scary movies to actually make scary ones rather than being like, okay, we don't want to we don't want to be in this territory where people aren't sure if we're trying to be a comedy or a drama or something like that. Sure. An example of an interesting film was uh, like Resurrection. Like to me, that's a horror movie, but it is very much like a drama about this woman's traumatic past, but the way that it is presented is horror because right. it's about the anticipation of this thing that is about to happen. And so I think like having too rigid of a definition of any
1: of these genres. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's not great, but no. it is what it is. No, don't, don't say, you know, when you say I'm a horror fan mm-hmm. or why well, I, I only like comedies. You know, I used to say until quite recently, I said, I well, I just don't like Westerns. Mm -hmm. and you know coming on to the coming out of the other end of my thousand years in a movie journey three thousand years of movies well so i did a thousand new to me movies this year okay and it was crazy and it was intense and i did it with a focus on classics that i had never seen um genres that i had never seen and the thing that i really took out of it was just to shut up And stop trying to make all of these claims about movies because I don't know anything. (laughs) I've seen a thousand movies over this year, and it didn't make me smarter. It made me more humble and realize that there is stuff like you, for example. Before today, you never knew that Troll 2 existed. Now that you know it exists, (laughs) how can you say what is out there? we don't know what's out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and like so to my say, radar
0: like, floor only went so low, right?
1: right? <laughs> like I
0: didn't even, like this kind of stuff, I'm like, well, I don't even know where I would have found this movie had, right. I, had I wanted to unless I had walked into a blockbuster in the 90s and been like, right, oh, exactly. let me take a chance on this.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, you know, to say like, well, I'm just a horror guy. Knock it off. And for the artists that we're supporting, right, these storytellers mm. – We've done them a disservice by forcing them into these genres where now you have to be an auteur, whatever that means, (laughs) to make the movie that you want to see. When you go see a Jordan Peele movie, you do not know anything about it. You just know that you're going to see Jordan Peele. When you go to see a Shyamalan movie you are going to see the next Shyamalan movie. Same thing with Paul Thomas Anderson. Even same thing with Steven Spielberg. You're not going to see their movies because you like horror. You're going to see the next Spielberg, right? And if Spielberg wants to tell a story that is a drama, but at one point someone gets their head cut off, why should he then have to, why should he have to be forced to cater the rest of the movie into a more horror-leaning thing because there's this one horrific thing. People would feel like a whole switcheroo was pulled up. Well, I didn't come to see that kind of a movie. I came to see a drama. This is this is a horror thing. No, it's not. It's part of the story of what happened. <laughs> it's the truth. And so, like sticking so hard to genre and making these artists stick to genre through the tickets that we buy, the audience, you know, the demographics that we have unknowingly formed just based on our taste mm-hmm. it's a tragedy it's horrible and and you know to say like for me like i said prior to this year i had seen like two westerns in my life oh wow now going like looking back on that what a shame and a tragedy and all of the amazing stories that i was completely cutting out of my life because i just said i don't like westerns what i didn't even know what i was talking about <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's so
1: fair. just being free being open um and i think you know not to get too philosophical about troll 2 but i think that troll 2 is a great example of what type of movie watcher are you are you are you so you know proud that you well i only watch good movies i'm not going to watch this i'm not going to waste my time you know my taste is correct and this is trash right or are you able to you know are you able to just enjoy it? Like, I love what's, what Scorsese said about Marvel movies where he said, it's like a theme park because I love theme parks. So do I. And, and um, when you go to a theme park, it's not all roller coasters. It's not. it's not eight versions of the same roller coaster. There's different rides. Scorsese's ride might be – You know, the theater that you go in and they do a little play and then the room shakes back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, Troll 2 might be the tilt-a-whirl and it's not for everybody, but it is there for some people. And it's all the difference between Troll 2 and, (laughs) you know, Apollo 13, they're all entertainment. It's all there. It's all a form of entertainment. Some of it might be for you. Some of it might be for me. I might like all of it. You might like none of it. But, you know, I love that this movie exists. I love that um, pretty much everyone I've ever shown to it really appreciates it and can have fun with it because ultimately, yes, movies can communicate important ideas. They can change us. They can change our perspective. They should change our perspective. They should give us more empathy to other people that we would never meet or ways of life that we would never, you know, know um thinking of movies like malcolm x um philadelphia bergman films you know movies have a powerful uh they have powerful tools at their disposable to change us and to educate us but <laughs> they don't movies have to like,
0: only do that they
1: don't have to do that and it's okay that it doesn't do that it's okay that troll 2 is just insanity
0: yeah. And it's okay that there's filmmakers out there that just want to make a movie that's entertaining and fun to watch and don't yeah. necessarily need to make a commentary about what's going on in the world or politics or any of that stuff. They just want to make a movie that people enjoy. And yeah. I think I've grown to respect that more and more over time. Like, I will say, for example, a guy like Michael Bay, right? Like, sure, you know what you're getting out of Michael Bay. And then mm-hmm. when I went to see Ambulance, I'm like, I looked over at my girlfriend. I'm like, is this movie awful? and then we're both kind of like it is and then i was like did he try to make a movie that was just like a bad movie but like a really high budget good bad movie and i was like i don't know and i was like there's a lot of stuff in that movie where i would walk away from it and be just like this doesn't make sense to me this doesn't make sense to me but the scene in the back of the ambulance is one of the best scenes i've ever seen in a michael bay movie ever so it's like you have like these these two things that can coexist and have some overlap, and there can be things that I like about it, be things that I don't like about it, and still walk away from it and be glad that I saw it, sure. even even though it maybe like fell short of what my expectations for it were. Hopefully, and I think there's there's more wiggle room for that now uh, that I'm a little bit older as well too. So it's something that I think, especially if you're younger. And you're getting into like broadening your horizons in film. It's something that's worth keeping in mind that uh, the rigid genre boundaries that we put on things are more for marketing purposes. Right. and for sales purposes than they are for enjoyment purposes. Because, um, let me think, a film like... You Won't Be Alone, I believe it was called. It was a Numi Rapace Macedonian witch film from earlier this year. I yep. think it's, yeah. Yep. Um, so that movie is marketed as a horror film. And then when I watched it, I was like, this isn't a horror movie. Nope. I was like, this is like this drama about this, what happens to like a witch in the process of becoming a witch. And it's, it's life affirming in a way that you really don't expect, but they were never going to be able to sell that film to anybody. So right. they're like, it's a horror film. And there is a horrifying moment in it that kind of like gives it that payoff. But in watching it, I was like, yeah, this is not what I no. would classify as and, a horror film.
1: And that's a that very, very good example bringing that movie up of, of a studio marketing a movie to people mm-hmm. and the people feeling tricked. When I watched it, I was like, oh, I love Nomi Rapace. I'll watch this movie. And yeah, she's it exactly. for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, But she's on the poster. I rated yeah I, <laughs> I, I, I rated that very low, but if I recall the idea, the the engine that moves that movie, which is you know, it's not really a spoiler alert, but someone who changes you know throughout the movie changes what their appearance is da, da. Mm-hmm. I love genius, yeah, Ge- great. genius idea. um the the everything with her, you know, being stuck in the cave. Like you were saying, the the little bit of actual, quote unquote horror that we get, all really great, but really mismarketed for sure, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and people people don't really like to feel super tricked, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, wild
0: so that was a movie that I wrote about and one of my older sisters was like, Oh, like I actually want to see this now because of what you had to say about it. And I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. That's why I write about film right? in the first place. And I think, I mean, it's a small increase, but like the website is doing better every year over the last five years. So it's gotten good. It's gotten to a place where I I'm trying to get, uh, it's about 15% growth this year. It's about 10 right now. So it's still pretty solid. Um, But, like, that's what I want out of, like, my experience in talking about film is that I want to tell you, like, how I felt personally rather than, like, get into, like, oh, well, this bit of makeup, like, wasn't good enough. And sometimes that does stand out to me where I'm, like, this person's wig is so bad that it's distracting. Sure, you know? I mean, sure. There's stuff like that that happens. But I think there is uh, a good amount of wiggle room in the dialogue about film and especially about genres that is good to have discussion and good to be able to talk to other people that uh, are willing to engage in that discussion, because you're going to find out some things about movies like I did with this movie, like I did with uh, Freddie Got Fingered, like, <laughs> like I did with Roadhouse and I mean, Demolition Man's a movie I'd seen so many times that it's like, I don't know yeah. if I'm learning anything when I'm like discussing it, but uh, I learned like how much the friend that I spoke to for that episode loved particular elements of the film like just the character names he was so focused on like this guy's name is john spartan like you couldn't have a stronger name for a lead in a film if you tried and yeah. so i really appreciated that like he was that focused on that one particular element of it yeah. so again uh, i'm really glad that you stopped by to talk about this i'm glad that you joined in on the discussion for brigsby bear which again like yeah somebody- Really has talked about with
1: me over all these years, so I really Dude, appreciate uh, your time. I've got a library of weird movies, like you said. You've never talked with someone about Freddy Got Fingered before, mm. yeah. That's that was a, that was a movie. You know, me and my brother watched a lot growing up. Rick Mayall, fantastic, awesome um so yeah if you ever need somebody to talk to about weird movies (laughs) let me know definitely i'll keep
0: you in mind you're in the film club now and i feel like having you and ben in there has kind of like made me feel less alone in my enjoyment of like really bad movies sure as well so uh there's room there's room for everybody though yeah so um before i let you go i know that you're working on a new project as well uh, you had me email you at your podcast email. Oh, yeah, so yeah, Do you want to yeah. like uh, shout that out
1: while you're here? Oh, sure. So uh, my friend Michelle and I were putting out a new podcast uh, January 2023. We've been working on it for a couple months. Um, and, you know, the basic thrust, It's so it's called Movie Friends, Movie Friends Podcast. And uh, the basic thrust of it is that I've seen a lot of movies. She hasn't seen a lot of movies. Um but she went to film school. She actually has a lot of other podcasts where she reviews TV shows. Like TV okay. is primarily her thing. Um but we want to we want to put out a show where I kind of curate movies for her each month will be a different theme. Um stuff that I think is worth seeing. And it's it's meant it's purposely meant to be um cater to people who maybe haven't seen movies that are quote unquote impo- important or big movies and it's called movie friends because we're not experts we just are friends and mm-hmm. you know i don't know about you but in my life um there's the friends that you have at work and there's the friends you have from school and then there are people who are like your movie friends and you have like a movie guy in your life and maybe you're the movie guy in someone else's life definitely that every time you see them they say hey did you see this movie or hey you know this one this won the oscar what do you think about that basically yes yeah me, and like people on twitter you know my all i do is talk about movies with people because in my real life I don't have movie friends. And so Mm. we want to kind of be that for people online who they just want to talk about movies. Well, we want to talk about movies with you. And it's like a judgment-free zone. You know, the first episode that we're doing is The Godfather. She's never seen it. And when you tell someone, you know, I've never seen The Godfather, (laughs) you're about to get, you know, crucified for (laughs) that. And Mm -hmm. so it's really supposed to be just enjoying the movies talking about them together not as experts you know not angrily and uh just providing like a space and a community for people to kind of come along the journey with us um we're doing bonus shows where we do every studio ghibli movie um yeah we're doing uh, like three maybe they're amazing i love when i was growing up yeah every every single one of them that's why we're doing them like we're we're and like I said, with it being kind of um, curated, it's really stuff that if I can just get people to see these movies, I don't, I, you know, that's that's good enough. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing uh, every Studio Ghibli movie. We're doing a uh, episode by episode of the show Freaks and Geeks. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've seen um, some. I didn't watch it when it was out though. Yeah, pff, fantastic. And then um, we're gonna also do some uh B movies, you know, bad movies, whatever. Um have to. and yeah, so it's just like a celebration of like of movies and trying to further our understanding and knowledge of them. So that sounds awesome. I'm ready to give
0: it a listen when it drops in January of next year, which isn't that far off. So when when <laughs> so- is your first episode on deck for?
1: <laughs> uh we're we're hoping to be done uh we're hoping to have that ready to go. Um the ninth, I think. It's the second Monday of the year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um sounds
0: good. And is it gonna be bi weekly, monthly, weekly? So it'll be weekly.
2: Yep.
1: And then like I said, the three um the three bonus shows will be uh the freaks and geeks will be bi weekly and then the other two movies will be monthly. So uh-huh. a lot of content right out of the gate. But like I said, we've been kind of working on it for months trying to get it all the way that we want it. So Yeah. And I mean, this is one of like
0: four podcasts that I do. And now I like I took on a fifth mistakenly. But oh man. Uh yeah, it's a lot. And so it's like I'm produ well, I produce all of them because it's me, but I'm also like producing as it as a third party for another uh group of friends right now. So That's a lot, but I finally grabbed Bad Movies We Love as its own thing, and I'm going to take it out of the other podcast that is just one feed that's, like, all of the shows together. So I'm like, yeah, because you can't really, like, see anything in seasons, like, nothing's in sequential order, so this way, like, this way Bad Movies We Love will be its own thing. This will be the first actual episode that we did under that official banner. So the other five or six will come along as like these are episodes that we did for the Shice podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting more people involved in this because I think we all have these kind of like what, what do you want to call them guilty pleasure movies we all kind of have yeah. those movies where it's like this is something that if you were to ask critics or ask the average person they'd be like <laughs> yeah that's not a good movie um but we still enjoy them plenty and i think there are good reasons to enjoy them and i think we covered a lot of that and i mean we ended up talking about uh life in general for the people involved in this project for the filmmaker you know like all that stuff like came into play much more than just what this film is because you could just be like yeah it's low budget it's it's not really on brand for what it says it is and like you could talk about this movie in like 15 20 minutes but like our discussion lasted almost two hours and we're mostly talking about all of the other things surrounding the movie (laughs) so i think that's really where like the meat of what i want to do exists and uh yeah so once again just you know thanks for your time i appreciate you uh making time on a wednesday to do this i'm gonna put in the work to get it edited. I got to grab some new music for this too. I got to look for like creepy ish eighties horror movie vibes sure. like synth horror. Um, but something that's within my, uh my budget range, because right. I try, I'm like, I want to grab like new music for each movie, as long as it's not going to cost an arm and a leg to do that. So we'll get it all like well-produced and it'll sound nice and polished by the time it gets out to the ears of the masses. And uh, I'm sorry, I forgot your friend's name already. Who's doing co-hosting the other show with you, Uh, Michelle, Michelle. So I don't know if she's on Twitter or if she would be interested in like getting involved in some of the film club stuff we do, but we're going to try and like grow it more in 2023. Cool. And just keep expanding. I think the group chat only holds up to 50 people. And obviously we're not there yet, but the community timeline that we made as well is unlimited as far as i know so we can we can get a big group together and schedule and have some discussions and uh we're gonna do your film discussion on new year's eve oh yeah let's talk about that for a second what movie are you picking for film club officially i know you told me but talk about it anyway
1: sure so i picked um mikey and nicky uh it's a movie by elaine may it's uh <laughs> if you've ever seen anything by cassavetes uh it's similar in that it it's it's a little loose, you know, it's a lot of actors acting with each other, a lot of talking. Um, basically, it's about two kind of low-level gangsters. One of them is in trouble, and the other one is his best friend. Um, there's a hitman after the guy who's in trouble, and it's how to navigate um not just surviving the night, but what does your relationship? Mean after so many years, <laughs> um, you know, where do your allegiances lie? And it's amazing, amazing, amazing movie. Um, the history of it is also really wild. Um, Elaine May had to hide the reels literally around Hollywood in different people's offices because the studio just wanted to scrap the whole thing. Um, wow. they shot they shot more film for this than they had shot for Gone with the Wind. <laughs> it's it's a great movie. And part of the reason why I picked it, I went through the list of movies that you guys had already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was nothing from the 70s, which is one of the greatest – I mean, especially for American – if we're talking about American movies, yeah, the 70s is really when things start to really take off. Um, there's a really clear distinction between everything that came before that and everything that came after. Um, so I wanted to do a movie from the 70s. And this is also the first female-directed movie, um, which I think is great. Elaine May is great. Uh, there should be way more – movies directed by women because they are amazing
0: yeah most of my favorite uh like up-and-coming filmmakers right now
1: are all female Um yeah. so it's i just nice. watched my first uh sarah polly movie the other day i, I it was insane and, and i was movie? already excited for um women talking oh, okay. and now i'm like oh my god now i'm running to the theater to see this movie you know
0: uh awesome yeah so I haven't seen Mikey and Nikki so I'll have the opportunity to watch that um for the first time and it's got an amazing cast I didn't realize quite how good the cast was because you got guys like Emmett Walsh and Joyce Van Patten and Peter Falk and Ned Beatty kind of not getting top billing here so yeah very interested now yeah cool um well yeah we will talk again on Twitter spaces for who knows if it's going to be the last time or we're just going to keep on rolling. (laughs) Oh, so are we
1: going to do it on on the Twitter space? I think for now I will
0: schedule it to be on spaces because you had mentioned that, you know, you wanted to share it around. And I think, um, especially since like you're getting a podcast started and if that's like your biggest, like social network circle as well, I want to give you the opportunity to be sure. You know, like here, I'm going to, have this talk with these people and you can come and listen and you'll have the recording that way as well. So you can just share it around and like kind of give people a sample of like what the podcast will be about. So I think it's just better for that way for now. Got it. And then, you know, if, if Twitter goes bankrupt or whatever's going to (laughs) happen with it, then we'll deal with that when we get there. But I do have, you know, zoom, which we can have up to, I think 50 participants in or something. So we'll find a way to do it. Um, should worst case scenario arise but before i get out of here i should warn people that um there is not a beheading in the fablemans <laughs> <laughs> because we talked briefly about spielberg wanting to make a drama and right. then there's a sudden beheading
1: right that, but you know what happen. it'd be better if there was one. i'm it just would gonna be, say it, it would
0: be better if yeah. there was a beheading because yeah. i'd be like i did not see that one coming yeah <laughs>
1: Okay, so wait, really quickly before you cut off, I just want to just so that it is on record Mm -hmm. for the entire internet to hear. Do you rate things out of five or 10?
0: When I rated things, I used a letter grade system, actually. Okay, so So that's A through F? Uh, yeah. So I started with like 10 point must system basically being okay. the base. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like that doesn't allow for enough nuance. So then I sure. switched to letter grading, but then I was like getting a graph sheet of paper out and being like, okay, well the cinematography is a, like an eight and then the sure, action sure, is a sure. nine. <laughs> and then it's like, this is too convoluted. And then I was like, you know what? If I were making a movie and I had someone on the other end of it doing this with a graph paper, I would just be like, you're missing the point. So I stopped right. rating movies altogether a couple of years ago. And I was like, I'm only grading them in instances where I am forced to do so because it's part of the like integration of letterbox, for example. Sure. Like, I can't save the diary entry unless I give it a rating. So most, mostly I used uh
1: five stars because that's what's there in front of me. Got it. So for the whole world to hear, officially mm-hmm. on record for the rest of your life, what are you rating Troll 2? I would give it at least like <laughs> a three stars out of five. Like five
0: is rarefied air. And I sure can, I typically don't give anything perfect scores because I just don't believe in like perfect films like that. Because I'm Oh,
1: how can you have seen Troll 2 and not believe in perfect <laughs> films? Come on. You need but, to watch it again.
0: I would say on my scale, like uh, a three is pretty solid, but I could give that easily like a three and a half. And, and if I'm just scoring like enjoyment, definitely like a five, because yeah. it's just hey, so weird that. and so unique. Uh, And I, like, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. There's a lot of bad yeah. movies where I watch and I'm like, this just like is not even enjoyably bad. Troll 2 is not that. Yeah. At all. So. I can't
1: remember who it is and I feel bad, but I, I one of the famous, uh, one of the great quotes from Filmmaker is, you know, the worst thing that you can do with a movie is bore me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Troll, 2 Troll is 2 not boring. No, nope, certainly not. Nope.
0: Uh, all right, cool. So thanks again for stopping by. And uh, Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, I'll let you know when this is up and finished and I'll tag you in it and I'll do all that stuff. So cool. Cool. Post-production time. All right. Very good. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bad Movies We Love. It was my pleasure to sit down and talk with Seth about really all kinds of things movie related. And if you liked what you heard, the best way to help is still word of mouth. So please tell somebody. But if you want to subscribe, you want to follow, you want to like and rate it wherever you get your podcasts, that is a big help. Also, I have yet to refine all of the social media stuff. But for now, you can find me at Nick Scheisty on Twitter. And if you would like to be a guest on the show, if you have a bad movie that you love, you can email me at nick at com. And the website has even more movie stuff. So until next time, stay safe, be well, and have fun no matter where you get your movies.